Welcome, everybody, to another awesome episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me, as always, is my fellow co-host, Alistair Kirschpool, AKP. How are we feeling on this Monday? Feeling great. Got another win. Right at the ship. Can't argue with that. AKP, let me ask you a question. Have you looked at the standings lately? Who's, who's second in place in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, well, that would be that would be us. We're back up there. That's right. Old Glory DC, sole possession of second place after a 29-3 bonus point win over the Toronto Arrows in round five. Complete effort for Old Glory DC. We'll pick apart a little bit, but, uh, I mean, what a great game for Old Glory DC and a game that I called the must win. I know that's crazy. You didn't quite give it the must-win qualifier in our last episode, but darn near close enough. It was important enough win for Old Glory DC to get second place in the Eastern Conference. I'm excited to break it down. Alistair, you were at the game, man. In fact, I saw you on TV. Yeah, I'm famous now on national (laughs) television. Assuming we haven't been bumped for bowling by that point. (laughs) Exactly. You're all over the place, man. you got a podcast, you're writing, you're on TV. Bowling's trying to bump you, but we're going to bump them back. That's all good. We're having yeah, a fun it was a great game to be. Great game to be in person at. Um, there was a, a loud group of Toronto fans uh, right behind me. Clearly, a, a traveling high school team or something like that. They were cheering loudly, and I was cheering loudly to cheer over them. And so, I mean, my my voice took much, a day to recover. Yeah, I didn't have much to cheer about, but you know. They got quieter towards the second half. <laughs> All good. Just having a little having a little fun with the arrows. I think they'll they'll be back again. I think we recognized it was a squad that going through some issues right now, some injuries and stuff. And certainly Old Glory DC has been on form. So let's talk about that. Let's let's recap that Toronto Arrows game again. Old Glory DC won twenty nine to three. AKP, you were there. You saw first hand. I was watching along on my screen. In your mind, what worked well for Old Glory? Uh, DC game. So pretty much everything went way better than it has the last couple of weeks. Um, in particular, the backs were a lot more dynamic. We saw a lot more forward running. We saw a little bit more deception, but in general, just a little bit more creativity. I think Talatena helped a lot with that, putting him into the centers. It was an open question whether he was going to see the lineup that much this year, but I think we really have to put him in. I think he's our best center. Tito had a great game, too, it has to be said. Uh, two kick passes to uh, 50-22s, darn near a third 50-22s. He was on fire this week. Yeah, I agree. Tito played great. Love seeing Willie in the centers, more natural position for him I thought he played pretty well there as well and I I gotta say though when the match started that first 13 minutes made me a little nervous uh and I'll 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 recall a couple of plays but there was first there was that drop pass by Tito where Toronto I think it was the the prop picked it up and kind of was rumbling down the field for a little bit Old Glory DC scrambled to make the tackle penalty at the breakdown of course Sam Malcolm's right in front of the post hits it 3-0 Toronto Okay, okay, we knew, you know, Toronto was going to, they were going to come to play. A few minutes later, 13th minute, Kurt Baker in a tackle 
you know, goes down. I think his head hits the turf pretty hard. I'm sure the ground's pretty hard still in, in March. Um, was able to stand up, walk off on his own accord, but had to be subbed off. Mike Lewis comes in. But right there, I'm thinking, oh, boy, this is not the ideal start for Old Glory. But darn it if they didn't kind of knuckle down, get back to playing their game. And look, the, the, the first try that Old Glory had, that line out, when, when that rolling ball gets going, you see Suchan at the back with the ball dotting down, you know things are going to go well. And I mean, beautiful try. Those legs just kind of churning. And Old Glory takes the lead there. Tight conversion. I might add, Tito, beautiful kick. I think been kicking well all game, 7-3. Things started to settle down a little bit more. But I, I got to tell you, I was a little nervous after those first te- first 15 minutes or so. Oh, for sure. And even going into halftime, me and the people I was with, we were saying, it's not a secure sort of score line. That's That lead did not feel feel super stable. But, but as the match went on, I feel like our forwards really enforced themselves. It became pretty unstoppable. Like you said, the the malls off the lineouts were just so good. And then even just in open play, our forwards were just able to get over the game line again. again and it, it, when you've got that sort of forward momentum, when the other team can't really stop you, they can just slow you down a bit. That makes a really big difference. And I think that's part of why our backs were able to be so creative because they were getting good front football. And that credit for that to the forwards. Yeah. What, so what, what was different about it for this game compared to say, you know, the new England game, but again, new England's a tough defense. I hearken back to the New York game where, you know, maybe a little bit of a reality check there, but uh, what, what, what was different about today's game where the forwards are really able to kind of break that game line? Yeah. I mean, some of it might just be that Toronto is not as good a team as, as New York or, or New England, it, the coaches probably also had a word with the, the forwards. We also seem to try and, and pass the ball around a bit more. It, I mean, Jamison Banana Schultz was making a lot of big carries. Kevin and Gali was making a big, bunch of big carries, but it wasn't just them anymore. There seemed to be yep. a bit more of an effort to, to get other people the ball and keep the, the defense a little more uncertain about who was going to be making the run, which was yeah. part of what our problem was against New, New York and New England is we were just too predictable. It was just too obvious where that ball was going. So a little bit better from that perspective, I think, made the difference. Yeah. Yeah, you talked about it. Jonathan had a great game, a little foreshadowing here. He may be one of our picks for – for forward of the game, he had over. You talked about big runs he had. He had over 100 meters gained. Wally was right there. I think it was just under 100. He had that big break in the second half. Man, I thought the big fellow was going to go the distance. Uh, I got I got taken down. Uh, good to see him rumbling. He also had over 16 tackles. Same with Fonda Schultz. I think he had almost 20 tackles. Colin Gross, again, another player we've talked about. Who's he played really well. He had some good runs there where he was bursting through tackles, certainly set up things well for the backs were able to play on the front foot. And that was definitely something that you've been harping on over the past couple of weeks is just more dynamic play from the back line. And maybe that was getting guys into the positions that he needed to be, you know, more comfortable, right? So we talked about it, you know, Willie T starting in the centers, thought he felt more comfortable there. Tito, you know, kicking the ball around the park with 50-22s. 
Um, you know, the, the kick chase, all great stuff. More dynamic back play. <laughs> Keep talking about it. What were some of the other highlights that you saw um, in the back line? Besides Tito and, and Willie, who were some other individual performers that you that you thought stood out in the back line for Old Glory DC? Yeah, well, I mean, shout out to Owen Sheehy for getting a start and looking fairly comfortable in the, the starting lineup. It's good to see him finally taking the step into being the player we've always thought he could be. Dabulis also came on early for Kurt Baker, like you mentioned earlier. Baker went off with an injury, Dabulis comes on. And I thought he had a pretty good game as well. And that's good to see because he's had a bit of a rough time of it these first few weeks. I think just knocking off the rust, coming back from an injury, trying to refine who he was last year. Um, he had some good runs, hit some good kicks. He looks much more comfortable in his role. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, backline played well. Pretty complete effort. Hard to harp on um, how they played on Saturday. But if we had to kind of nitpick a couple of things, in your mind, what were things that maybe didn't go exactly right for Old Glory against the Arrows? So one of the the ones that I really I was not expecting is that Herrera is still taking a lot to settle into the scrum. I thought, I mean, part of it, Toronto does have a pretty decent scrum, but um, frankly, we should be able to beat them. With with Herrera and Niscaro in the front row, we should be, you know, if not stealing their scrums, we should at least be, be pushing for a penalty every time our scrums. And it just hasn't worked out that way. Herrera has seemed a little lost or like he... He doesn't know when to push or how hard to push. He's clearly got the, the strength to to blow back anyone in this league, but he just doesn't seem to be able to use that consistently in a way that is effective and, and that works for the referees. It could just be that the refs know that he's he's powerful and are, you know, expecting better from him, but it it hasn't been a consistent advantage for us, which is surprising. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think when we all expected Terrell to come in and be, and be pretty dominant, and, and that front row is probably right the ideal front row that Old Glory trots out um, you know, as part of the starting 15 is Kara Suchan and Herrera. Yeah, and I guess that's my question. Do we anticipate this? the struggles that Herrera's having? Is that Do we anticipate this continuing to the season? Is it a matter of are we not harnessing right? Is I, I can't quite put my finger on how to make sure we're using Herrera or making sure we're getting the, the best out of him considering he is such a big force there. I mean, what what are the thoughts there? I mean, we're way past my knowledge of, of how the scrums work. But, yeah, you'd... I mean, you've got to think that eventually he's going to settle down and figure this out. He's got experience in top leagues all over the world. He's top. He's a top player for Argentina, the national team. He's he's got so much experience that like there's there's no way he doesn't figure it out at the mm -hmm. MLR level. At least that's what you'd expect. But you know, how long does it take him to do that? How long? Like, what exactly is the problem? 
it's hard to say. You know, maybe he's not getting support he needs from the locks, or maybe he's used to his hookers doing something different. It could just be that you know he's he's just genuinely not used to playing with players at this level, and it's it's messing him up, and that he'll settle down and get used to it. Or I don't know. To be yeah. honest, it could be that he's being coached the wrong way. The coach might need to say might be telling him to do the wrong things or it's it's impossible to say at least for me well, i'm sure someone well, knows hopefully well, someone interesting. Knows, and yeah. hopefully they work for all glory well that's the thing i think what's what we're kind of hitting around is that it's scary to think that i don't think we've quite harnessed all that herrera brings and i don't think that front row is quite played to the potential that they have right so in my mind i'm thinking there are still good things yet to come from this front row, particularly as Herrera gets more comfortable later in the season, as we really start to make a playoff push, if we can get that forward pack, that front row really firing cohesively and together, I think it could be really, really scary for Eastern Conference teams to have to go up against oh, those yeah. three week in and week out. So certainly something to keep an eye on and we'll obviously monitor. And I, I mean, as you said, he's a top international player. He, he's able to make the adjustments. Let's see if we can get get him harnessed and, and use him in a way that we know is going to help the squad down the line. Because again, we're only five we're only five rounds into this, you know, two and two, so yep. plenty. So and especially when you think about when you think about the fact that I'm complaining about the scrums and we we mostly won our own. We won all of our own. Thing like yeah. we only gave up one or one penalty. I think we gave up a free kick as well. But like, it's not like we're we're hoping for improvement from absolute bottom. You know, this isn't 2020 where the scrub was getting put on roller skates every time we're, we're coming. I'm complaining about us being at a, a, an average level being, you know, competitive. It's like, I want it to be uncompetitive where we're just winning the ball. And I think we can get there. And maybe this is a silly take, but maybe he's still not comfortable because we still haven't quite found a Jersey that fits him properly. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the old look what good is up feel with good. the jerseys this year. I don't know, but I'd love to get my hands on the sides of Herrera's jersey because um, I need a new down comforter for my for my bed. And I fear if I just slip into that, <laughs> I'll be, be good to go. You know what I mean? So Herrera, if your jerseys aren't working out, just send them to me. I'll give you my address and we'll make the exchange. But um, so, again, I think I think fine tuning there, but I still think we, there's more to come from him. Couple other things that we wanted to point Absolutely. out. We already mentioned, you know, Kurt Baker, the injury to Kurt Baker. Good that he was able to get up, walk off on the replay. It seemed like he was cohesive. He was chatting, looked like he was joking a little bit with the training staff. So good, good to see him walk off on his own power and get off the field. Because again, those head injuries can be um, a, a little scary there. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is not on the glory. And speaking of issues with jerseys, I forget what player it was for Toronto. He came on, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, I don't see this guy's jersey number. Because I think his jersey number, the iron-on number was in white, and it blended in with the white of the jersey. I had no idea who the player was. No, he just didn't have a number at all. It was something uh, Brian Ray pointed out on on Twitter before the game. They didn't have a jersey with a number that fit him, and so they just had to give him a blank jersey to, to wear. They didn't. So... And they also had a player, I think their starting hooker started in number 17, which is not normally a starting number, but that was the jersey that they had that fit in, which I, 
it's a weird problem to have and it's not something that MLR has had a problem with in the past so I don't know what is suddenly a problem with getting guys in the jerseys that fit I mean I don't know supply chain issues potentially you know yeah. but yeah you, you hope that gets that gets figured out so it just looks a little more professional but so yeah I get it things happen you know I mean things come up but like the fact that we're nitpicking jersey stuff which I do think is important right but um anyway a couple of things we had a point out there all right it could be we talked about what worked well we've talked about what went wrong kind of getting looking ahead to to round six and we'll get there on the preview on that what do you think between now and Saturday's match um that we can still kind of improve on can you continue to try and get better there are certain things in the Toronto game that that stood out to you yeah there were a few things mostly around being consistent um there were a couple of overthrown line outs that that were an issue and Toronto didn't have the the talent to punish us, but teams in the future will. So that's something that you'd you'd want to see fixed up. And that's that's an, it's one of the the most frustrating issues is when those are just complete miscommunications where they just you know it was just tossed right over the top. And clearly, the jumper not jumping at the right time, or the thrower not throwing at the right time, and entirely self inflicted. So you you really want to see that sort of stuff cleaned up. You don't no sense in inflicting that sort of that sort of uh, thing upon yourself. So and just generally being clinical in the game, like cleaning it up when they get into the the red zone when they're getting close to the try line, like actually finishing that off. They struggled with that a little bit. It's hard to complain with four tries, but they had the opportunity for for six or seven tries and they they only came away with those four yeah i, yeah, I agree with you this, those uh, those line out issues and, and you know a bad toss you know one or two of those are going to happen in the game unfortunately it's just you know how do you respond to it but it really is deflating right when it happens when you're on your you know the your, your opponents within the 22 or it's a five meter line out and it's a, it's a bad pass and, things like that. But I agree with you. I think we left some points on the board in the first half. Again, how can you complain about a bonus point win? But um, I think we really had the opportunity to really put the screws to Toronto right there at the end of the first half, really put the pressure on them to go up by three scores, um, some missed opportunities there. But, you know, all stuff that can be can be corrected and fixed. And again, look, they, they won the game. You know what I mean? They're, they're two and two, you know, they a complete effort. You're not going to have a 100% success rate. Uh, so maybe we're just nitpicking at things a little bit here and there. But, you know, across the board, if if someone asked me, okay, John, great old glory DC's performance against Toronto, I'd give it an A-. minus. I'd give it an A-. minus. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay. Right. Hard to complain too much. AKP, I didn't get very many A minuses in school, so I was happy if I got an A minus. So you know <laughs> what I mean. I think I was like a BB plus student, just enough to keep the parents happy. But you know, I probably could have tried a little bit harder. But anyway, enough about me. Let's talk a little bit about. Let's give out some personal accolades, some awards. Let's talk about Fords of the game. So I'll start with my pick, and I have two here. Um, I'm going to bring up two. We've talked about him before. I don't think he's officially won forward of the game, but Jamison Fano Schultz, I thought, had an awesome game. Okay, look, when I say awesome, he's played well, I think, just about every game for Old Glory so far this season, but I think he really had a great ever Ton of ball carries, was all over the field, making tackles, nearly scored a couple of times. 
So I've got him up there. But then also our lock, Tavita Nguali, who I thought played really well. Again, all over the field, have some big rumbling runs. Good to see him getting involved. I'm going to select him as my forward of the game only because I feel like sometimes those locks get overlooked a little bit when it comes to to, to, to making picks. Um, I'm going to go with Nguali as my forward of the game. Yeah, I I don't have a lot to add to that. That is well said. Um, I'll Personally, I'm going to pick Jamma as my forward of the, the game. I thought he did a, a really good job. Just put hard work all across the field. And like you say, it's not like he's had bad games before, but, but he really did just go that extra level. He's my forward of the, forward of the match. You know, and I, what, what I think is great is the fact that, you know, he's been handed, he was handed the captaincy at the beginning of the season, and I think he's filled those shoes admirably. He's, he's done everything they've asked him to. I think he's provided good leadership. You know, we, we talked a little bit before, you know, when the season started, and maybe this was a little bit unfairly talking about some discipline issues he had in the season's past, but it seems like all that is behind him, and he's, and he's channeling, channeling really that energy and that passion that he brings. I think he's providing great leadership on the field. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's great and excellent selection there for the, for the game. Back of the game. I'm going to let you go first with who your back of the game is. Yeah. So for me, it, it feels a bit obvious, but it has to be Tito. I mean, he was just, he had a couple of, of good kick passes in the game. He had those 50-22s, which just makes such a big difference. I mean, it's like getting a penalty kick, but you get it for free. Um, he just, he really had an influence on this match. He had some great runs and great reads of the defense, really like cutting in and making a bit more space for his centers, who could then go forward and make space to the wings, and it, he just seemed to really settle in in this match. And hopefully you can keep that up against your defenses and, you know, better back threes. Cause I know Toronto's back three struggled a little bit to handle his kicks, but yeah, for me, he gets back to the game. Yeah. The two adjectives I would use to describe his performance was smooth and cool. Just a smooth, cool operator out there felt in control of the game didn't look unsettled or rushed, made real good decisions, just played well. Everything you want out of someone um, wearing the number 10 jersey, and then Old Glory looked good. And it certainly helped that forwards were getting game line and for, and the backs were going to go forward ball, but cool and smooth. Those are my adjectives for, for Tito's performance. My back of the game, and I agree with you, I thought Tito was great, but I'm going to go with William Talatina, simply because I just thought that he looked so much more comfortable in the center position, where he played well last year. The try that he scored was almost like a Ford's try. Barged right over and scored. Not your typical back try, but uh, he looks more comfortable in the center position. I'm optimistic that he'll continue to see the field there. Selfishly, I've got him in a fantasy Rutgers league, and I would love to see more points. So I didn't start him, unfortunately. But Willie, I, I apologize. I'll probably throw you in this next round. I just thought he looked more comfortable there. He's my pick for back of the game. So that was round five. Uh, we talked about it when we opened the show. Old Glory DC off their win. Sole possession. 
of second place in the Eastern Conference. AKP, I know you know the standings here, but I just want to run through the Eastern Conference standings right now as we stand going into round six. New England Free Jacks, they looked in control against New York Iron Workers. They're three and one. They've got 15 table points. They're in first place. Old Glory DC, as we mentioned, second place. They're two and two, 12 table points. You got the New York Iron Workers, two and three, the defending champs with a losing record at the moment. 10 table points. Null Gold, our round six opponent, winners of two on the trot now. They're two and three. They've got 10 points. They've got a breath of fresh air all of a sudden. That's going to be scary. Rugby ATL, they're in fifth. They're two and two, 10 table points. And of course, Toronto Arrows, again, not out of it. They're one and three. They've got five table points, only five points back of you know a third place or you know for the third seed in the Eastern Conference. They can come back and get healthy. I think they're still going to be a threat, although they are certainly on, on lean times. But they, look at that Eastern Conference. That is tight and stacked in Old Glory. A couple of weeks after getting run out by New York, find themselves right now. And at one point, at one point, they were in first place. After the game was over, they are in sole possession of first place before that New England game. What are your thoughts so far on how the Eastern Conference is shaken out? Yeah, it's amazingly tight. And not just tight at the top, which we've seen before. It's it's tight all the way down. Really, apart from Toronto, everyone is is good. I mean, I guess we'll see yeah. how good rugby ATL is. We'll see, you know, what's up with Nola and Bruni, who seem to be good one week and bad the next. Um, but and, and Old Glory is right in it. I mean, it's it is worth noting that they they've beaten. The only two teams that all glory has beaten don't have the, the best record. Yeah. Um, Toronto has, has only beaten Chicago and Chicago has only beaten Dallas. Um, so it's, there's that, but at the same time, you know, you look at all glory, we, we really should have beaten the free Jacks on when we played them and like, only if, if not for that forward pass, that wasn't the forward pass, we could have won that one. You know, if we looked at, you know, we got destroyed by New York, but then New York just completely didn't show up against New England and, you know, and New York got destroyed by NOLA. And so it's, it's all confused. I don't think we really know who's going to come out on top because New England, I mean, they destroyed New York or they... They, they looked really in control in the match against New York, but they also looked pretty sloppy. I mean, the number of tries they had held up over the goal line, the number of times they got down into the, the red zone and just couldn't finish, like, it's not... I think someone... New York couldn't take advantage of that, but I think, I think someone's going to be able to. So, I really... It's really wide open right now. And I would put... I think... Old Glory has really, really good shot at making the playoffs. Hundred percent, yeah. I mean, I agree completely. Um, you know, we we talked about this at the beginning of the season. It was important for Old Glory to beat Chicago just to start the season off right, knowing that there was a bye, and then they had those two tough road trips, New York and New England. They were able to just scrape up some table points. They didn't get it against New York. Did get against New England, which was huge, those two table points. And then immediately following having that home game against Toronto that they won, right? They just about did what they were supposed to do 
through that first five stretch. If you compare it to how they started the season last year, night and day, right? Five rounds in, going into oh, yeah. the sixth round, they're they're fighting for a playoff opportunity, and they look like a, a different team. And I think the team feels it, right? And I think the Eastern Conference and others are noticing, yeah, yeah, okay, our two wins against it are against um, Chicago and Toronto, but okay, we were ex- we were expected to win those games, and we did what we were supposed to do. We won those games. You're at home, you won them. Perfect. This next game here, <laughs> round six at home against all of a sudden probably one of the hottest teams, or at least one of the most surprising teams as well, right? Considering I think a lot of people, a lot of pundits, myself included, I wouldn't say I'm a good pundit, but pundits said that Nola Golden was a sexy pick. Not even a sexy pick. Because they were, I mean, they had some quality. Last year was rough. Two years before, I think they went 10 and 6, maybe both times, and just missed the playoffs, right? Put together a pretty good squad and not a lot of key reinforcements. Rodney Iona, the super rugby fly half coming in. Tom Florence, flanker coming in, playing really well. There are pieces there. Luke Campbell, scrum half from super rugby. Like I, you know, headline grabbing guys. A lot of people were super high on Nola Gold. Certainly a rough start to the season, right? Dropping their first three. But since then, they put a whooping on New York. Granted, that was at home. And then they went and, and beat Utah, a team that was coming off a bye. All of a sudden, they're two and three. They're right back in it. They've got a lot of momentum here. This is really interesting. You've got two of the hottest teams in the Eastern Conference playing together, a home game for Oh, Glory. I guess before we really start to talk about the preview of it, what are your thoughts on Nola Gold five rounds into the season so far? Yeah, they're suddenly looking a lot scarier. Like you said, rough start to the season. I was when I was looking at the the schedule a, a few weeks ago. It looks like, oh, thank goodness we get a couple of easy games with Toronto and and Nola, but Nola is not an easy game anymore. They they absolutely wrecked or they absolutely you know they're looking really really good. It's it's concerning. Okay, so we know that uh, old Rory hosts uh, Nola Gold. That is a what? That's um, that's that Saturday afternoon. It's the first game in round six at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff. What does Old Glory need to do to, to win this game, to beat Nola Gold? I think they're going to need to play like they've played against Chicago and Toronto. They're going to need to bring that to a a high-quality game and a high-quality opponent. Um, and that means they're going to need to really be on top of their tackling. They can't let players be breaking tackles. They can't let players be be fighting, you know, get an extra several meters for contact. That was a big problem in the New York game. They're going to have to do well protecting the wings. I know that NOLA has, has really... They have really good wingers who can who can really punch around the outside, and we're going to need to be we're going to need to do a lot of work to to defend against that. And we also just need to keep the the silly mistakes at a minimum. So we did really well at that last weekend, but we've seen that when put under pressure, Old Glory can have a tendency to to do some reckless things with ball, you know, throwing it in, 
quickly when you've got both teams right next to your own goal line. They've done they've done some stuff like that where it just has felt too aggressive, a bit silly. And if we get put under pressure, we're going to need to avoid the resist the urge to do that against Nola. Yeah. You're right. You, you, you hit on Nola, right? They struggled to score this first few games there, but they've got some great pieces there. I mean, l- let's run down the list. We mentioned a few of like the new guys that they brought on, but JP Duplessis in the center, he's a guy who, who, who's been playing really well. He had a really good game against uh, Utah. Some of those other wings and backs you talked about, Jordan Trainer has been having a really good season so far. Jordan Jackson, hope he's another center who's been scoring a ton for Nola. They're starting to score points again, right? I think we've talked about Old Glory. Defensively, they've certainly improved. If you look at Nola Gold, right, and they played five games. Old Glory's played four, so we got one in hand on that. Nola Gold is giving up points. Their teams are finding ways to score on them. And, you know, we mentioned it a little bit about more dynamic back play. I think we saw that a little bit more against Toronto. Maybe that was because the forwards were getting a little more game line or breaking the game line. And Tito, again, smooth, cool operator. I think we continue to see that, right? We're going to need to, again, continue to to rely on Tito to be that cool operator to set up scoring opportunities for our players. Slotting Willie T hopefully back in, in the center positions. But in my mind, this could potentially, I think this could potentially be a high scoring game. Um, I can almost see the team that needs to win this game scoring in the high thirties, maybe even forties, you know, um, which could be make for a very electric and high scoring and fun game to watch. I'm optimistic that Old Glory is going to come out on top on this one, but I don't know if you agree with that assessment or not. But in my mind, I think this could potentially be a high-scoring afternoon. Yeah, I agree. I think it could be a fun one. I'm looking forward to being in the stands for it. <laughs> okay. It's the point in the show, AKP, where we have got to pick who's going to win and what the score is going to be by. But before the two infallible humans discuss what does the, the model say? What is your model? And can you remind everyone what your, your model's record is so far across the season? So my model's record across the season is 22 and three. So it's doing pretty well so far, but but definitely at a, a rougher week this week. So, and this frankly, I would not trust the pick on this game because it still oh. thinks Nola is bad because okay. Nola has a lot of, I mean, they've come, their turnaround has come so quickly that the model hasn't even had time to process it yet. I mean, they've had a couple of good wins, but they've had so many bad losses before that, that it's, it's still not fully convinced. So the model has uh, Nola by, or has DC by 16 points. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Which seems unlikely. I mean, your models, would you just say 22 and th- not, sorry, 19 and 3, 22 and 3? I wasn't listening. What was it? 22 and 3. 20. Okay. That's, I mean, look, DC by 16. Like, that's that's a huge, that's a huge win for, I love Rogue One again by 16. Um, now that we know that, what does AKP think the score would be and who's going to win? I'm going to be optimistic and say DC by three. 
DC by three. Okay. Okay. I like it. Um, I'm gonna go out there with you. I think Old Glory wins this game. I my last two rounds have been pretty bad. I think I've won um, three and seven or something like that. So not not great. I like Old Glory in this one. I'm gonna go Old Glory to win by seven points. So closer to that model of sixteen. I'm gonna go Old Glory winning by seven points. Yeah, I'd, you know I'd love to see it. I think. I think they've got it in them to to be a really, really good team and to really show up NOLA, but I'm just not fully confident that they're there yet necessarily. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. I, I think it could be a high scoring game. Um, let's talk about the rest of round six. So, Whole Glory again have the first one. It's 3 p.m. kickoff. And then Saturday afternoon, 4.30 p.m. This is another um, Rugby Network aired game. The New England Free Jacks at home against the Dallas Jackals. Early in the show, I said there can be two games potentially where there may be an upset. <laughs> this is one of them. I'm too much of a coward to pick Dallas to win this game, considering that New England plays so well at home. Although, Whole Glory, I should have beat them two weeks ago at home, but uh, look, the safe conventional pick is that New England wins this one and wins this one comfortably, right, by 12 or 15 points, right? So could this be a banana peel game in the sense that New England, knowing that they have some injuries at the lock, although Peretti will be back after serving a one-game suspension, do they change things up a little bit, rest things, not necessarily overlook Dallas, but maybe seeing this as an opportunity to, to bring on some bench players who are still quality because they've got great depth in there. Could this be a game where Dallas surprises everyone who's played well in the past couple of weeks, nearly, nearly getting there? Um, could this be a game that Dallas wins? Maybe. Again, I'm too much of a coward to pick Dallas, so I'm going to go with the conventional New England wins this game comfortably by 15. Yeah, the model is saying New England by 21. Mm -hmm. And it's... Yeah, I I would be surprised if Dallas... I'll be rooting for them, but I, New York or New England has shown that they can they can really control play that they can really control a game especially if they're they're favored in it so i i don't know if dallas is going to be able to create enough chaos to to pull off a win so i'll i'll take new england as well one last point on this game and i was watching the the, the last dallas game and against chicago true to their name i mean at every breakdown the Jackals were like right there trying to get that ball. I mean, nearly every single tackle, every breakdown, I thought Dallas was going to steal a ball. So that's what's gotten me optimistic that potentially they're energized quick enough, want to be able to beat New England to some of those breakdowns to steal the ball, potentially giving them a chance in this one. Again, I'm too much of a coward to pick Dallas. So again, I'm going to take the safe conventional route and go New England. New England should win this game. I don't think Dallas gets their first franchise win there, but um, we'll see. So taking the coward's way out per usual, but that's okay. Next game coming up, another 4.30 p.m. kickoff. We've got the Utah Warriors. They're at home. 
4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Utah Warriors at home taking on the Toronto Arrows. On paper, um, Utah plays well uh, at home. Uh, you know, I think they were disappointed by the the way they lost to Nola Gold. I expected a better performance from Utah. I picked them to win. They did not. Toronto Arrows, obviously, <clears throat> they are struggling to score points. I mean, there's a glaring statistic. We were talking about it before, and I'm sure you've got it right off the tip of your tongue there. But Toronto's having real issues trying to score the ball. That, in my mind, I think this is a bounce-back game for Utah. I like Utah in this one to win by – I'm going to get them winning by 12. Yeah. I think Utah wins this game. Toronto has scored three tries in, in four games, and most of those came against Chicago, who's had problems so far on defense. So I will also take Utah. I'll take them by I'll take them by seven with Sam Windsor or not Sam Windsor, um, Sam Malcolm penalties keeping Toronto somewhat in it. And the model has Utah by ten. So Mm. Okay. I think, think we're all on Utah there. Yeah. So this next one is a Saturday night game, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Houston Sabercats hosting Rugby ATL. Houston had bye last week. They had a tough match the round before where they went up to Seattle, played them tough in a physical game, but came up short. I think it just goes to show how good Seattle is this year. But I think Houston's certainly a very strong team in the Western Conference. They're taking on a rugby ETL team that got kind of worked over by San Diego. I mean, San Diego came into Atlanta and really ran them over. I mean, that was – it did not look close. They're certainly going to want to show that they're a, a team to contend with in the Eastern Conference, and they're right there, right? They're, I think they're maybe fifth. We just talked about it. They got 10 table points. They're obviously still in it. I think maybe issues with scoring uh, – MLR teams, I mean, it's hard to pick against teams that are playing at home. I think Houston um, has a – you know, it's funny. You you brought this up last week about teams coming off buys, generally not performing particularly well. We saw it in round five, right, with Utah uh, not winning there. That was a tough one. But whew, in my mind, I think Houston's a better team uh, than rugby ATL. And I'm going to have Houston winning this game, I think, they find a way to, to win at home. I like Houston uh, at home to win this one by – I'm going to give them winning by eight. Yeah, I think it's going to be a close one. We've seen rugby ATL really apart from San Diego. They've been able to – they've had a good defense. They've been able to keep teams under control. So I'm going to have Houston by three. Um, but, you know, it's one of those home – Home field advantage makes such a difference in this league. Houston particularly looks good at home. They look good generally. And I just don't have much confidence in Atlanta. They sort of statistically aren't that bad, but I haven't seen anything super convincing from them yet. So, and the model has Houston by two. So we're all in agreement here. Final game of round six, the Chicago Hounds, they're at home taking on the Seattle Seawolves. Seattle fresh off a bye, still the only undefeated team in the league. 
them earlier, I said there were two games where there could potentially be an upset. Chicago at home against Seattle. Seattle, again, you mentioned it. Teams coming off the bye don't play particularly well. If you look at Chicago, each time they put out their match day 23, and I see that back line. Uh, Michael Baska, Luke Carty, Billy Meeks, Bryce Campbell, Marco Keith, Chris Matina, and Julian Dominguez. Like, in my mind, I'm like, how are these guys not scoring more points? And they're certainly getting there. Could this be a game where Chicago really brings it all together and can challenge a stout Seattle defense coming off the bye? Before we get there, what does the model say? Who's going to win this game, AKP? Well, your confidence notwithstanding, the model says <laughs> Seattle by six, which is less than I thought it would be. Yeah. So if we talk about Seattle, defensively, great defense. I'm curious to see who's going to, who are they going to trot out at fly half? Because AJ Alatimu going into the season, you know, led at MLR in points last year. Jordan Chait seemed to come on out of quote unquote nowhere. Great young South African player scored a, a kicked a bunch of points. I think didn't miss a kick through first six or seven kicks in round one and a little bit in round two. Didn't play. Alatimu came on and played. They've got a really interesting decision there. Either one of those guys can play well, but it'd be curious to see who's going to play at, at fly half. Seattle can score all over the field. Duncan Matthews has been playing well. They're fullback. JP Smith is a threat to score at scrum half. Dan Krul, Petty, another center. I mean, Riker Hatting, the eight-man leading the league in tries, I think, or he's right up there in the top two or three. Boy, boy. Again, maybe I'm too much of a coward to pick this one. You know what? Screw it. I'm doing it. AKP. The Chicago Highlands will get their second win in franchise history. They're going to win at home. They're going to beat the Seattle Seawolves by three points. Let's go. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Um, you can take that that brave, uh, courageous pick there, and I will go with boring Seattle by – I'll go Seattle by – I think they'll control it. I think they'll, they'll pull away on penalty kicks near the end. And yeah, I think Seattle takes it. Two points I want to bring up. I think if the weather is above 45 degrees Fahrenheit, Chicago wins the match. Okay? Two, <laughs> talking about you can take your pick. When you play Super Brew, I love how when you pick a team and you pick like a, a heavy upset – <laughs> you get an alert that says, are you sure you want to pick this game? Because no one else is picking this game. I'm almost certain that when I pick Chicago, I'm going to get that. And and I might even at the last minute, the last minute, I might even pick Dallas to beat New England. And I'm definitely going to get the alert on that one. But again, I make my official <laughs> picks. We, interview, we do this on Monday. We release on Tuesday. So everyone knows I still stick with New England, but I am picking Chicago. Final answer. So there we go. Okay. AKP, fun episode. Spicy. You got to get spicy now. Another fun episode. It's always good when the home team wins. Old Glory won 29 to 3 over the Toronto Airs. They're 2 and 2. Before we end the show, Old Glory DC has, a, has an awesome opportunity here to continue to maybe get a little more of a distance between, you know, the rest of the pack, you know, in that second spot because you've got. 
New York, who's going to be on a bye in round six. O'Glory beats NOLA. They're going to get some more points, separation on there, maybe hang with New England. If Dallas can get the upset, that would be wild. Um, Rugby ATL, tough match against Houston we just talked about. So this is a real opportunity here for Old Glory to get a little more maybe breathing room from the, from the, the, the chasers at three, four, and five there. So really big, important match. AKP, any final thoughts before we close this thing out? Yeah, I'm hoping it doesn't rain on Saturday because that's what it said uh, in the forecast. I'm hoping for a, a nice sunny day. I'm hoping for some scoring rugby. And regardless, it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait. Can't wait. Super excited for it. We're getting into a really critical stretch of the season. Got to be optimistic about how Glory is playing right now. They're two and two after five yeah. rounds with opportunity here to stretch some more. Feels points. nice to be in the chase. Feels That's nice right. to Feels be in, nice in that chase for the playoff spot. Love it. I love it. Let's keep that momentum going. We're building that momentum to sustain it for the rest of the season. Everyone, I'm John Fitzpatrick for my co-host, Alistair Kirschpool. We'll catch you next week when we talk about our round six win over Nola Gold. Let's go.